Well, I'm Sean Styers, but he's not Bobby Hensley. He's Vince D'Addario, and I appreciate Vince D'Addario for sitting in for Bobby Hensley because we've been sitting here for a couple of weeks while we're all under quarantine. We haven't been able to do the Two Guys Talking Sports Movies podcast, and you may remember, I guess it's been a few months now, but Vince joined Bobby and I back after the Rudy podcast. We did what was called the Rudy Rebuttal. And Vince was <laughs> pitching Rudy to us, and now Vince is sitting in for Bobby. Vince, you are the first guest co-host on this show, so congratulations. Well, I mean, that's an awfully lofty title uh, to ascend <laughs> to, and I, I'm I'm excited that I was the chosen one, and right. you know, it might have been for lack of options, but I'm going to go to bed tonight knowing that I was the first one, and I'm going to feel very good about that. That's exactly right. Today's movie is Fever Pitch from 2005. We'll see how this goes because one of the delays that we've had in all of this is getting some technology together that would allow us to actually do some kind of recording of this podcast. So we've got something, or at least we think we have something. I guess Vince <laughs> will find out when this is all over exactly what we have and if we're able to do this again. Yeah, I uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but I, I, hey, I enjoyed the prep work. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. Gives us all something to do while yeah. we're home on quarantine. That's for sure. Because as we all know, as sports fans, there's no live sports going on right Brutal. now. So at least we have movies to watch. So Fever Pitch, 2005, the, uh, the the kind of plot of this thing, Ben, a school teacher, means, meets the workaholic Lindsay. Ben is played by Jimmy Fallon. Lindsay is played by Drew Barrymore. Lindsay finds him sweet and charming. They hit it off in the winter, but... With, you know, that's when Ben can spend every waking hour with with Lindsay. But when summer comes, Lindsay discovers Ben's obsession with the Boston Red Sox. He is a long-time, lifelong fan, season ticket holder. She thinks that everything is perfect until it goes downhill for them. Vince, how many times do you think you've seen Fever Pitch? Oh, man. From start to finish? Um, or even just parts. Yeah, I would... Here and there. I, I believe I went and saw this with my wife originally okay. um, when it came out. And I think it was kind of a happy medium movie. You know what I'm talking about? I do know, you know what you're talking about. Rom-com slash a little bit of sports. So we when I, when I popped it in the other day, uh, my wife was like, I remember this movie. I went and saw it with you. And I was, <laughs> I was shocked because it's not something that would normally happen these days. Um, but yeah, I so all the way through the first time. And I think I've probably caught bits and pieces if it's ever been on TV, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh -huh. um, this is probably only the second time I've watched it all the way through. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it all the way through. But uh, as you know, I have the DVD and it actually came on one of the channels on cable here recently. And so I recorded it there as well. It's probably good that I'm doing this movie with you because you've listened to enough of our podcast to know that. I don't think this would have been very high on Bobby Hensley's list just because probably not enough sports involved. What do you think? Well, yeah, but he also falls on the side of the love stories. He loves that <laughs> garbage. So I don't know. It's a good call. That's true. That's a good question. I mean, a guy who likes for love of the game as much as he right. does, I think he would like this. That, that, that might be a good point. Vince, and it, that, that kind of leads us to the question. Sports movie, romantic comedy, like you said, there's a little bit of a happy medium, I guess, there. I think it's less of a sports movie than probably anything we've done on this podcast. It's 20-plus minutes at the start of the movie to kind of set things up, the relationship and how things are working between Ben and Lindsay. And then, you know, at the start, we get kind of a quick narration from a guy who's Ben's friend and his uncle Ray's friend and we see Ben as a kid going to his first game how he becomes a Red Sox fan and then it's Ben taking a math class on a field trip where Lindsay works and then you know even when it gets to the sports we're not necessarily seeing sports so to me it's definitely more rom-com than sports movie but once you get past that 20 minutes the Red Sox theme definitely really takes over. Well, and I, and I think that's what keeps any sports fan. I was going to say guy, but I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to go there. But anybody that is 
watching this movie for the sports aspect. It, it keeps them hooked enough uh, because you're right. The Red Sox theme is throughout the entire movie, yeah. except for when he's courting her, I guess. Um, so it, it keeps you interested, but the actual lack of sports being played on the screen, there's five minutes maybe. Like they, they it's always in the background. Like it's not. It's not really the the plot by any stretch of the imagination. And it's real clips from the 2004 Red Sox games as well. They're showing TV clips and little highlights. And, and for people who haven't seen it, you see a lot of Ben with this group of people that he's with over the course of the season. He sat in these same seats for years and years and years. He takes Lindsay there and, and she kind of tries to become part of the group but it's hard for her and maybe even harder for the diehards around her because she doesn't take it nearly as seriously as them but they are actually at Red Sox games a lot of a lot of the the stuff not it it was shot with them actually sitting at some Red Sox games doing their thing that kind of stuff I'm curious Vince from a from a sports perspective you're not a Red Sox fan can you appreciate this movie without being a Red Sox fan well, I think I can appreciate it being a Cubs fan, right? To be honest, because the if you you can easily take everything that they said about the Red Sox and just insert Cubs before they won the World Series, and right? Because this the was exact same this was two thousand four, so this was way before the Cubs two thousand sixteen title, right? But it was always the comparison between the Cubs and the Red Sox and the long losing streak and everything else. I mean, they they were basically the same you know, dying fans, et cetera. So, I mean, this could have easily been a movie about the Cubs. And so that was easy for me to follow and appreciate um, just because of that tie, if that makes any sense. No, I get it. You are much more, just like me, much more a diehard sports fan than my wife, your wife, can a relationship between a diehard and a non-sports fan work? Well, I mean, I guess you and I are kind of living proof that it can. <laughs> yes, but you're right. But at the same time... Different levels. <laughs> uh, at the same time, there have definitely been some uh, bumps in the road when it comes to that kind of a thing. Uh-huh. There is no question about that. Because uh, apparently, I did not... Uh, express my love of sports as much as I thought I did while we were dating uh, prior to getting married. So this was a big surprise to her once you actually apparently, got married. How big a fan you are. Apparently it was. And I don't... And I, and I if I would have known! Yeah, I try to think back. And I, here's the conclusion that I've come to, Sean. And, and I don't know... You know the, the people that are listening to this podcast may not know your his, yours and my history together, but... Uh, my wife and I were dating slash engaged all the way up until the dream job competition. Right. Um, and you were in charge of the dream job competition. That's how you and I met. Right. I was a contestant. You were the organizer of it. Slash on air host. Yes, correct. And going through that whole scenario, she was all excited and proud of me and happy for me. And little did she know... (laughs) What was coming in the future? And so, really, I blame you. I'm going to blame you. You're doing so great. No, hold <laughs> it. You actually have to go and start doing this stuff? You have to, you have to show up at sporting events? Because <laughs> oh. she's very competitive. So, I think she was all about, you know, you me winning or whatever. Prize, yeah. Absolutely. She was all about it. And then the reality set in. And here we are, 15, 16 years later. That's very true. And it's interesting because my wife was sort of indoctrinated a little bit earlier because when we met, it was the fall, it was October of 1991, Major League Baseball's playoffs were going on. And as we started to date and just talking on the phone and that kind of stuff, the World Series that year between the Twins and the Braves was sort of the backdrop of ah. of this, you know, and I'm watching these games and talking to her and and – not necessarily that we're planning our time around these games or anything like that, but, you know, again, as we continue to date, it was obvious that I was a big sports fan of both 
baseball, Notre Dame football, the NFL, all this different stuff. And I would say that back then, even, I didn't make either going to these games or watching these games like my appointment viewing, like I had to be there for all these games, even though I watched most of them. But that has definitely changed over the course of the time that we've been together because at that time we were still in college. So my occupation wasn't yet being a sportscaster, (laughs) you know, so I didn't have to be at these games. I I watched what I could and all that kind of stuff, but it has become a lot different over the course of time. And I think because of that, because it is my occupation, she has sort of accepted it to different levels, but she has (laughs) never gotten into it the way I have, like unless our kids were involved to some extent. Yeah, and I and I think that's a very good point because my wife and I we got married right out of college, and you know when I was in college, you know I, I wasn't coaching, I wasn't obviously playing, um, and so it wasn't a huge part of my life. Well, as soon as I got my first job in teaching, um, I also got my first job in coaching. coaching. Yeah, and that kind of took it over, I guess, for the most part. So um, I, I guess she had no idea, but whoops. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I did have season tickets to the Cubs, and I took her to a few games. And we actually, I'm, I'm in my office right now to, uh, recording this podcast. I look to my right, and our engagement picture is up here on the wall, and we're in Cubs jerseys. Really? Yes. Cubs jerseys, Sean. So <laughs> she can't say she came in completely blind. That's true. That's all I'm saying. That's true. All right, the cast, Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore, are the leads. Fallon is actually a Yankees fan, interestingly. He was born and raised in the state of New York, but he's playing this diehard Red Sox fan. And this is kind of when, I guess he was still trying to be an actor, coming off the run on Saturday Night Live before The Tonight Show, which he wouldn't get for nine more years after this. But I kind of feel like he ended up in the right calling, being the, the host of a TV, you know, variety talk show rather than being a straight up actor for a living. Well, uh, you know, and and maybe it's because we see him every night or whatever on the Tonight Show and we've gotten used to who he is and his persona. That's who I see every time I see him. So like when I saw this movie, when I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking, oh, it's Jimmy Fallon. That's that's (laughs) not Ben, the school teacher. That's Jimmy Fallon. Like I don't see him being able to uh really create different characters and like you know really take you along for the ride in a movie you know what i mean well because even when he was on saturday night live and i don't know how much of you watched of it back then and just seeing some of those sketches that he was on he wasn't always necessarily he did weekend update for a while but when he was in some of the sketches like he had a hard time not laughing at the other guys. He, he would, you know, they'd be in the middle of a sketch and here's Jimmy Fallon over on the side. You're like probably the most famous one is the, uh, the, the Will Ferrell, the, you know, the cowbell. I knew you were going there. Blue Oyster Colt. And here's Jimmy Fallon trying to stifle laughs, you know, <laughs> as one of the guys in the band, he just always had a hard time sort of keeping it in character and not fighting self, fighting himself, just cracking up at the other guys. Yeah. He, he, he just strikes me as like one of the guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just always there for a good time and uh, life of the party, if you will. And yeah, I just don't see him as an actor. And, and so this role, though, was pretty spot on perfect for him because I think it wasn't far away from his regular personality. Yeah. And then Drew Barrymore is the female lead. I mean, she's done a million things, go all the way back to E.T. when she was a kid. She's She's been around forever. But uh, I... I it was interesting. He's just not that into you in 2009. When you look back at her IMDb is probably the most notable thing that she's done since this. And and this has already been 16 years ago, 15 years ago. You're not a Charlie's angels fan, Sean. Uh, I guess that's true. And she was a part of that. (laughs) Are you a big Charlie's angels fan? No, I guess I should ask you that. (laughs) I'm really not. I, I was just making a joke, but I don't, I, I'm trying to think of movies that she's been in recently, and I'm coming up blank. Yeah, exactly. Are you? A, do you know much about Say Anything? I, I, uh, I know you're you're kind of in a you know a little bit different age bracket, late 1980s. Have you seen Say Anything? I have not. Okay, 
It's one I would recommend for you. I think that's okay. one that you and your wife could comfortably watch Ooh. together. Uh, okay. You know, do you like John Cusack at all? I do. Okay. 1989, Say Anything, probably John Cusack's most, you know, recognizable role, his most iconic role, even though he's been in a lot of other stuff since then. But Ioni Sky, who was the, co- the female lead in Say Anything, John Cusack's love interest in that she is one of the friends of Drew Barrymore's character. And she is the one, not the blonde, not the heavier one, but the other one. And so, <laughs> you know, she just kind of, you know, it, she's had a ton of small roles since Say Anything. But again, I think Say Anything is probably what she's knows, most known for. But she definitely popped out to me. It's like, oh, that's that girl. Oh, yeah, Ioni Sky. Say Anything. And that's been 1989. So it's been a while. So if you have no familiarity, I'll just say, watch Say Anything. I think you'll like it. Kickboxing, sport of the future. No. I'll leave it at that. Did now, you ever watch Frasier? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I, okay. Is this is, is this the one where John Cusack does the boombox over yes, his head? Yes, that's it. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. The, da- the Frasier's dad from Say Anything was her dad. Or, uh, no. Or, Frasier's dad in Frasier was her dad in Say Anything. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Yep. I know. I know the actor you're talking about. Joe Beth Williams shows up in this as Lindsay's mom. She was in Poltergeist with Craig T. Nelson, The Big Chill, Kramer versus Kramer, kind of a well-known actress of the '80s. James Sicking was the dad. He's done a million things. Hill Street Blues in the 1980s, probably his biggest thing. And then Lenny Clark plays Uncle Ray, and he is. Uh, you know, longtime character, act, comedic character, actor slash comedian type guy, and also a real life Red Sox fan. Uh, Have you seen the Thirty for Thirty Four Days in October? Um, I read the book. Okay. Yes, uh, but I did not see the Thirty for Thirty. Okay, so the Thirty for Thirty, it's it's all about the Red Sox comeback from the three right. zero deficit, which you know is part of this movie's plot. They they don't they don't go into that a whole lot, but you know that's that's toward the end of the movie when they come back from three games down and they rally to beat the Yankees, the only team to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. Lenny Clark and Bill Simmons, who I, I don't, I think they, or at least Bill Simmons produced that, but it's, it's basically those two guys are hanging out in a bar, you know, kind of talking about all the different events of this as they, as they go back and, and show, you know, the comeback and, and all that kind of good stuff. So that's, that's, one of the things that I remember him the most from, but, you know, he he pops up in this as well. And then, of course, it is directed by the Farrelly brothers, Peter and Bobby. Do you have a list of top three Farrelly brothers movies? This was tough for me. Okay. Um, this was tough for me. I, I haven't seen a lot of their movies, and I know I'm going to sound a lot like Bobby on this one. <laughs> and so I expect the, the purge to come my way, the okay. scourge from you. Um, but my favorite by far is something about Mary. I mean, that's, that's a classic. That's number one. And it's not close. Yeah. Um, number two would be fever pitch. And then after that, it's kind of a question mark for me. Yeah. They did dumb and dumber. A lot of others, you know, they're stuck on you. I could never really get on board with dumb and dumber. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of that either. I I put the heartbreak kid. I agree with you. Something about Mary, number one. Fever Pitch, number two. Heartbreak Kid is my number three. It's got Ben Stiller, Malin Ackerman, Michelle Monaghan. And it's kind of hit and miss. Interesting that those guys won an Academy Award for Green Book last year. Because it is Green Book is nothing like... Not most even of, close. Yeah, essentially the dumb comedies <laughs> that yeah. they've done forever. <laughs> yeah, not even close. I mean, that one was about you know being in the South and racial tension and all yeah. this other stuff. Like... I mean, there. If you didn't tell me that those guys are the ones that had anything to do with that movie, I'd have never believed you in a million years. No, I agree, and they are. They they grew up, I guess, in Rhode Island, New England, obviously. So they're big Red Sox fans, and a lot of these movies, like there's something about Mary. You remember, it originates in Rhode Island. That's where they were, where where, where Ted grew up, Ben Stiller and, and That's Mary. Right. And they were in Rhode Island before Mary moved to Florida, and then Ted went after. So a, a lot of their stuff, 
is kind of set there. So even though they didn't produce or write Fever Pitch, they directed it together. And, you know, again, it goes back to the Red Sox fandom and their roots in New England and all that kind of stuff. I did find out in the research that they also co-wrote an episode of Seinfeld called The Virgin. And I don't know if that's familiar to you. Jerry's new girlfriend, Marla, who's played by Jane Leaves, who's known as Daphne on Frasier. She is a virgin, and hilarity ensues from there, as it always did, of course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Did your opinion of this movie, Vince, change at all after watching it again for this viewing? Um, I don't think it changed, because I always... I always had the the feeling or the thought that it was, you know, a funny romantic comedy with, uh, you know, a sports line throughout the whole thing. I mean, there was definitely some lines and some jokes and some things like that that I didn't remember. Uh, but the overall feel of the movie, that it was pretty much spot on. Yeah, I agree. Didn't really... I guess the only thing that I would say is I didn't realize how long it does take at the start of the movie sort of to get into the sports stuff. Because, again, it's like 20-plus minutes setting up the relationship, trying to get there before they finally get into, okay, he's a diehard Red Sox, you know, her knowing that he's a diehard Red Sox fan. Because you do find that out. They they set it up with the narrator at the beginning, how much the Red Sox mean to him. But, really, it, it takes a while to kind of get to the setup before they get into, you know, they're at the Red Sox games and all that kind of stuff. Well, it, it takes long enough that when they're in the park and he's grilling out for her and he gets down on a knee, like, you, you think that he's actually proposing. Like, there's, right. there's an actual thought that that's actually happening. What's that's going how long on yeah. it takes to get to that point. So, um, I, I thought, I don't I don't think it take, took too long. Um, I, I think it was, it was appropriate because she, I mean, she flat out fell in love with this guy. He's a great guy. He's a teacher. He's, he's, he's funny you know all this other stuff and then they bring out the craziness you yes. know what i mean like I, I think they set it up pretty well okay let's get into favorite lines you want to start with one um it's funny i i when i was watching and i i watched it with my wife and my my oldest son and you know we're watching the 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 uh the flashback scene and he, they're in the car and the and the uncle looks over at uh, little Ben, when he's looking at the book, and he's like, "Careful, kid, they'll break your heart." I got that one too. <laughs> and I, as soon as, as soon as he said, "Careful, kid," I said out loud, "They'll break your heart." Like I remember, <laughs> for some reason, right? And I, it might have been the Cubs fan in me coming out. Yeah. Like I knew that that line was coming, and both my son and my wife just started cracking up laughing. Like, I think was... I think that's one that any diehard sports fan, if you're a diehard of any team, that you can identify with right away. Yeah, no doubt. And that's what, you know, this has got the romantic comedy. Again, it's, as Bobby and I have talked about, it's got the relationship stuff. So, it, you know, it kind of plays to both. And then when it comes to the diehard sports stuff, it goes right to the guy, I think. And, and so it's uh, got a little bit for everyone. And then sure. so my, my next line on the field trip, it's a math class. <laughs> Lindsay asked the kids if they look at license plates and numbers and add them up to make secret patterns. And the kid says, oh, my God, she knows my secret shame. I have that one, too. I thought that was hilarious. I know. Because <laughs> I thought I thought all the kids are going to be like, yeah, this girl's crazy. <laughs> right. you know? And then he's like, she knows my secret shame. <laughs> right. That was great. That, there, I, I will say that there are a bunch of lines kind of just in that scene, you know, with the kids that's and then true. When they, and then when they leave, um, and uh, the kids are talking about how he, you know they think that she was checking them out or that she was hot or whatever, like th- there was some great lines in there. There were uh, so those the, the, a lot of those kind of made my list as well. Yep. Uh, let's see my next one. Um, oh, <laughs> when she was shocked that Ben didn't have a cell phone. Uh, when she was trying to call him or I forget exactly what the situation was, but Ben was like, yeah, my father died two years ago, but I just found out this morning. So maybe I should get a cell phone. (laughs) That was such a perfect Jimmy Fallon line. Like that's something I feel like that's something that he would say, you know what I mean? Right. Well, I'll go to one that, you know, the subject of phones, they're on the first date. They're sitting kind of at the little outside cafe or whatever it was. And her phone keeps ringing. He answers it and he goes, this is Ben. 
her houseboy sa- slash sex slave, and then he hangs it up and goes, "Call your mother." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it, he does have very good comedic timing. He does. He I, does. I, I mean, and obviously he wouldn't have gotten to where he is now if he didn't. Right. But he has extremely good comedic timing, and and it's not a line necessarily, but I thought that Ben does a really good Jimmy Stewart impression. Uh, that was really impressive. Oh yeah, that's right. All right, yeah. what's your next line? Uh, my next line is, is when uh, Ben is out golfing with the parents, right? And they're on the phone, and and the mom's like, "Yeah, he's been great. He took us out to breakfast. He's washing your father's balls right now." Right. I, and I, of, of course, you know what they're referring to, but it still makes you laugh every right. time. And then a little bit later in that same scene, after they hang up on the phone, you know the the. The dad is mad at the mom for talking to his backswing, and he's like, "You talk to his backswing. You, you know, you shouldn't talk to his backswing." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's Which like, is a know, big golf thing. It. Neither one of us are into, but still. Yeah. You well, you know, I pretend like I am. Well, uh, the one I've got—that's Devil Ray dancing. I'm talking Yankee dancing when they're doing the ticket <laughs> draft and the friends in the, the Red Sox uniform and they're dancing to see who gets the Yankee tickets. I'm oh. talking Yankee dancing. Oh, and they're all dancing when she walks in. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is great. Um, let's see what's what's the next one I have. Um, oh, th- this goes back to the flashback. I kind of favorite scenes and favorite lines. I don't know how you guys separate them because they they kind of bleed into each other a little. Stuff bit. sometimes. Yeah. Um, the flashback when uh, little Ben gets in the car and the uncle's like, "Do I have to change him?" And she's like, "He's seven, you nitwit." <laughs> It's hilarious. Maybe that's funny to me because I have so many kids. No. But it's like, eh, he's seven. Come on now. That's fair. Fair point. <laughs> when Ben gives Lindsay the jacket, the Red Sox jacket, she puts it on and he goes, I got to be honest, this is getting me hot. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, okay, so uh, back to that scene where the kids were in the, the – um, uh, they went to go visit Lindsay. At her office? Yeah. Yeah, at her office. And they're they're heading for the elevator. And Ben was like, out of my league. And they're like, yeah, she, she was bringing some pretty serious heat. I don't know if you've got the bat speed for that. He goes, oh, I've got the bat speed. I've got the bat speed. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh, I've got the bat speed. That was, that was good. When he's in his classroom and he's kind of walking around and he's he's kind of yelling out about the JV baseball tryouts. And he goes, just to avoid the confusion we had last year, this year we're looking for good players. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. I, know. I, I got a good kick out of that one. <laughs> um, I, when they were playing football and, you know, <laughs> Ben gets the ball and he like runs over like four guys. Right. And they're like, dude, it's two-hand touch. You just <laughs> ran over everyone. You were down back there and back there right. and back there. That was good. It reminds me of the Snickers commercial where, uh, you know, you're not yourself when you're hungry. There was one where they're out playing football. And I think it might be like Betty White is in it or something, if I remember right. Uh Uh-huh. Betty White's out there leveling people. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let me see. When he's spilling his guts to the kid at practice and the kid says, let me just leave you with this one thought. You love the Sox, but have they ever loved you back? It's like, Go on, get out of here. Yeah, getting sage <laughs> wisdom from the kid. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I thought was pretty funny when uh, they're at the in the school and he's in the hallway and he has the kid throw him the football, and then he throws the football and it hits the teacher with the in the head. Uh huh. And then he leans over to the kid with the neck brace. He's like, "Come on, what are you doing, man? You're coming to the office." <laughs> that was that was great. And he's like, "Oh, hey, you're good. Just go out this door." Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's ranting to her about, uh, has she ever loved something for 23 years? And she said, 23 years ago, I was seven. And if I still wanted to marry Scott Bayo, I would think <laughs> my life went terribly wrong. A dynamite Scott Bayo drop. <laughs> yeah. That's good Don't get stuff. too many of those these days. <laughs> no, no. That, that's really all I had written down. Okay. Uh, for specific lines. I've got just a few more, um, after they storm into his apartment when he's watching the game six, the Buckner game and playing the Carl Yastrzemski song, they've got him in the shower and the doctor <laughs> friend, not to pride doc, but why are you shaving my balls? <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me of a uh, Chevy Chase Fletch 
kind of moment there. Um, <laughs> that, that was hilarious. Then he like holds up the razor. He's right. Like, what? <laughs> when the blonde friend's husband is getting ready to buy the tickets and they're sitting there in a <laughs> restaurant and the, the, the friend goes, are you guys that rich? And the blonde goes, yeah. And then the other girl says, then why don't you dress better? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the same scene, the, the husband of the blonde, uh, was like hey do you think my wife's attractive no really do you right like when they're when they're talking about the tickets and like letting him sit in the seats with him right (laughs) that was great and then my last one after she runs out on the field at fenway park uh she says let's try to jerk one out of the park and he says that's the sexiest thing i've heard in my whole life (laughs) there there are some good lines there's no doubt about there were There were some deceptively good lines in there. Yeah. All right, so let's go to scenes now. Some of your favorite scenes from Fever Pitch. Go ahead and start us off. Well, I already mentioned the the scene in the office, so I won't uh, I won't harp on that. Okay. Uh, that scene because I, I did I did enjoy that scene. Um, let's see here. What else? Oh, I, I did like when they when they came in. You kind of already mentioned it, but when they came in and he had like all the paper on the windows. And everything, and he's uh-huh. watching the Buckner game, and they they go. He pulls the the cassette tape out. He's like, "Where did you get this? How many more of these do you have?" And he starts like looking around. He's like looking for his secret stash, like right. it's alcohol or something. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I'm gonna go to the season ticket scene. There, there's three weeks to go until spring training. Season tickets come. The three friends are there. New season, clean slate, and he says, "This smells like the year." And then it's a couple scenes later when they actually have the ticket draft. And what I wanted to ask you about this, because you know, because that goes back to the friend is there dressed up in the full. He's a doctor, but he's dressed up in the full Red Sox uniform, and they've got you know a big chart up because they're deciding who gets to go with Ben to what games, and they're splitting the season up. And now. You mentioned your Cubs fandom, and you were—I don't know if—are you? You were at least at one time a a co-season ticket holder yes. with you know with some friends and family. Are you still a co-season ticket holder? Um, I am. Uh, my my allotment uh, went to my mother. Oh, actually. okay. Uh, but still involved. Okay. Still involved. But yeah, my my allotment went to my mom. Uh, she has a lot more time on her hands now than I do. <laughs> That's true. So the, the season ticket draft, how yes. much of what you saw in that scene, you know, any, anything that was, you know, reflected on what you guys went through when you were divvying up tickets for different oh, games. So every March we would get together the whole family, uh, and, and it was divided up in quarters. So there was four family sets, let's call them. Uh, that that had these tickets, and it was two seats, um, and we had nights, weekends, and holidays, right? So right. Uh, we would get in, and what we would do is we would roll dice to see what the the order was going to be of who got to pick what games, and it was always very interesting to see who, like, what their strategy was. Like my aunt, for example, her strategy was she would go to the games with the best giveaways. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you know, my strategy was to go to the best opponents. Right. You know, uh, my my mom would want to go to the games that, uh, that, in theory, would be the nicest weather. You know, um, and so it, it got intense at times trying to see who was going to get that first pick. And then after it was all done, uh, it there was you know there was some uh, behind the scenes you know dealing and some wheeling, wheeling and dealing, dealing wrangling oh, going on absolutely and everybody wore their cubs gear and like you know i mean we made a thing out of it cuz my whole family lives in chicago so we would rotate the venue as well so every fourth year it would be in indiana which was okay. great um, but yeah it was it was a to do there's no question about it cool stuff all right yep so um Trying to think of what my next scene is. You know, this is kind of different, but a little bit along the same line. She wants to go to Paris. He wants to stay because it's Seattle. The Seattle series is starting up the next day. They're supposed to leave the next day, and this isn't necessarily a favorite scene. But at the same time, would you have hesitated for a trip to Paris if Seattle 
was the opponent the next day? Uh, no. <laughs> and it's not like it was the Seattle of old with like right. Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey and was like, gone. <laughs> you know, that group, no, not a chance. I would have been on my way to, to uh, Paris. Yeah, no I felt question. like they, you know, could have made it the Yankee series or, or you know. I don't know that they're necessarily a whole lot more. You know, there's interleague play, so maybe it was the Dodgers series. I don't. They could have made it a better opponent than Seattle. Oh, I thought. and maybe maybe that was the point that he's so deep into this thing that, that it didn't matter that it was it Seattle. Right, right. That's the only thing I can think of because I was thinking the same thing because they made like the the dramatic music and then they like zoomed in and it said SEA and I was like, really? Eh. Seattle? Come yeah. on, man. Uh, when they're in the park, she wants him to go to all these family events, and he's telling her all the things that he likes about her. You know, there's something you don't know about me. I'm a big Sox fan, and she's she's like, I've seen your Yankees toilet paper. <laughs> I like part of being something better than me. He gets down on a knee and, you know, asks her to opening day with the tickets in the box. And like you were referring to earlier, he gets down on that knee. You see that ring box. And you're like, if you haven't seen the movie before, it's like, is he really going to propose right now? Yeah. And he opens it up, and it's tickets to the Yankee. Or was it? No, it was opening day. It's opening day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Any other scenes on your list? Well, this kind of goes along the lines of uh, her discovering what a nutball he is for the Red Sox is when she actually goes and visits her parents, number one. And they're sitting there, and then Sports Center comes on, right? And he is like out of control. Just so happens that he's on that Sports Center that they're watching, and she's like, "Oh my god!" What <laughs> the dad's I like, "Can you believe into? this a hole?" <laughs> yeah, that was. That he was doesn't great. know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yep. Um, when the Yankees clinch the pennant they're you know they're they're at the game and he does the socks never let you down speech every year they're here in april if they get rained out they make it up to you who else makes it up to you the red Sox don't get divorced and all that i thought that was a pretty cool scene yeah i now one one that i had because i honestly couldn't believe it got to this level was when they're out to dinner with the parents and everything was going so well. And then all of a sudden somebody walks in and starts talking about the Red Sox score. Yeah. And he starts freaking out and she has to get up and put her hands over his ears because his hands are buttery from the, the lobster. lobster. Like this has happened because be- this has happened before. Like right. you, the way she explained it is, is that this has happened before. His hands are buttery. So I have to do it. Like, Oh my God, this right. is out of control. What you're, what you're going to already. Yeah, exactly. I don't, you know, and it's, it's tougher now. You, you almost, there, there's almost no way you can avoid finding out the outcome oh, of a game. No chance. Just because everyone's got either phones or the TVs on, you know, social media and everything else. I, I don't know how you can avoid it these days. Well, I mean, we're, we are literally in quarantine right now. And I have the same knowledge of everything around the world as I do when I'm walking around on a daily basis. Like, True. if not more so, because I have more time to like yeah. look at stuff. You, you know don't what I go mean? Go outside like, your house, but you still know everything that's yeah, going on. Yeah, I don't miss anything, and yep. it's almost disturbing. To be <laughs> yeah, honest, that's true. That's true. Um, the other scene where they're in a restaurant, it's the guys are sitting there at the bar after the, the, the Game 3 loss of the American League Championship Series, and they see Jason Veritek, Johnny Damon, and Trot Nixon laughing and and eating. And, and uh, I thought that was a pretty cool scene, you know, because it's, it's like, <laughs> we're sitting here killing ourselves about the Red Sox, and there are three Red Sox over there, and they're actually laughing it up. Now, I, I will say, kind of in connection with that, one of the things that makes this movie, you know, as good as it is, is the fact that they had all the actual players and it was it was very uh, unique uh, and 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 real. I yeah. guess is the best way to put it. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. wasn't like oh, there's random number sixty eight playing first base. You know what I mean? Like it was actual players you could identify with it. It made sense. Right. Exactly. All right. Do you have any other scenes, Vince? That's all I got. Okay. Interesting. The scene where she jumps out of center field and runs across the field uh, during the playoffs, that you know that didn't make either one of our lists, but that was actually shot at a game in September 2004 prior to the playoffs. 
against the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew Barrymore's running across the field near the Red Sox dugout. The film this was filmed after the game, after about half the crowd, you know, staying stayed on to be extra. So they did actually shoot that after a real Red Sox baseball game. I think that's cool. Yeah, I, I do. I the fact that you can tell that they were actually at Fenway. That you know, she runs behind and you know grabs Johnny Damon's glove and throws it at the security. You know, like I, I think that stuff is cool. And you know, just like Rudy, for example, how they were actually in the stadium. They did it at halftime with real fans. You know, on a game day. Like I, I think that adds to a little bit to the authenticity of it. right. And now the the ending of this game, October twenty seventh. 2004 game four of the 2004 world series between the cardinals and red sox they actually took jimmy fallon and drew barrymore to that game so that they could do a quick shot down on the field during the celebration because they had sort of you know this movie was not supposed to end with the red sox winning the championship they had to redo the ending do some rewrites as the Red Sox, you know, after the Red Sox made this comeback, got to the World Series, and then obviously won it, they had kind of wrapped up their principal filming, and then they had to come back and and kind of add that on at the end because there's obviously with the long suffering Red Sox, there's no way when this movie hasn't <laughs> been released yet, and that happens, that you can leave that out. They had to find a way to include it, and you know, all things considered, I think they pretty did a pretty good job of it. I mean, how lucky is this whole production yeah. that this is the year it. they decided to make this movie, and that is the year that they have the amazing comeback against the Yankees in the ALCS. They actually win the World Series. I mean, they there's you can't you could not have planned that any better than they did. No, I completely agree. All right, anything that bugs you about this movie, Vince? Uh so yeah, a few things. Um okay. <laughs> And maybe this is a pragmatic standpoint. I don't know. But <laughs> when she gets sick and he ends up over there on their first date, you know, and he's trying to take care of her and right. all that stuff, he rolls out the laundry hamper for her to throw up in. That's a, true. A fabric laundry hamper. Like, that's what you've chosen to throw up. Like, that's just going to make an even bigger mess. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't have a, I don't have a lot that bugs me that, that you know, that is I, – I did find it – interesting that you know he just kind of went over there and spent the night i guess she was supposed to be so sick and delirious that she wouldn't have noticed but he he you know he stayed on to help her i did think it was funny the next day and i didn't mention this in scenes when they're talking about you know what they like and all that kind of stuff and she's talking about she loves the movie annie hall and he's like oh this is unbelievable roadhouse (laughs) (laughs) i thought for sure he's gonna pull out annie hall yeah i know that was great That was great. Yeah. So I really didn't I really didn't have a whole lot that bugged me, you know, and I it's not like you could pick apart any of the baseball stuff because it's it's, you know, it's not, you know, you're watching actual scenes from a baseball game. So there wasn't a right. whole lot to be picked apart there and it's a, you know, it's a rom-com and everything else. So I I really didn't have a whole lot that bugged me about this, unlike a lot of other movies, I guess, that we have. <laughs> well, you know, like some of it was just a little goofy, I guess. Like him brushing the dog's teeth. Yeah. You know, when he was over, like really, or did she maybe? Maybe she imagined that. I guess that's a possibility because uh, she was kind of in and out of consciousness there True. for a little while. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it's all of it seemed pretty logical. Of course, it was ridiculous that he everything in his house was Red Sox, but they were making a point there. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, other than that, yeah, I mean, it, it everything kind of flowed pretty nicely. Um, I, I thought it was good. Yeah, I think the only thing, and when we ask if it holds up over time, obviously they did, you know, incorporate the the fact that the Sox won a championship at the end of it. So it's not like you're dangling where this is, you know, the 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 Sox have still never won a championship or anything. I, you know, the only minor kind of thing. I think it's just, you know, the scene where they're talking about cell phones and, you know, she mentions a BlackBerry and that kind of thing because nobody has a BlackBerry, I don't think, anymore. <laughs> no. You know, it's all it's all smartphones. But other than that, I think it holds up pretty well. No, I think it holds up great. And it, just because it's anchored to that point in time with them winning the World Series, I yeah. think 
that it almost gets stuck in that moment of time. And so you know that when you're watching it, you're looking back at that time period. You know what I mean? I I think it works. What role could Kevin Costner have played? So are we we talking now Kevin Costner or just Kevin Costner in general? The way we do this is you you, uh, – essentially – you can pick any point. Like if you were going to remake it today, if you're going to do it back then, just what role would Kevin Costner fit into? Sort of a sort of a timeless, ageless Kevin Costner. You can pick him at any point in his career and plunk him in there. All right. Well, I think he could be Uncle Carl for sure. Okay. Um, more of like a cameo situation. I think that would definitely be appropriate. I don't think he he would be a good Ben. I don't think he's goofy enough to to be Ben. I don't I don't see that. Yeah. And so. You know, that's true. Then you're then you're looking at like the supporting characters in the stands, his friends, um, and I don't know that I see him in any of those characters, honestly. Yeah, the only one I probably would have dropped him into would be like Lindsay's dad. I think he would have made sense yeah. for that. Not a very sure. big role, so it's not that Kevin Costner would probably have done that role, but I think that's probably the one that would have made the most sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson is even harder, though. Like where you fit oh, him. In. Yeah, he do, he doesn't fit into this type of movie in any way, shape, no. or form. I honestly. think he would have to be just like one of the friends at the game, or even you know, like the husband of of the girl who's buying the tickets, or something like that. Yeah, I, I yeah, think that's the best small. you can do. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I agree. Main characters? Any anyone who could have played him? Well, I'll tell you what I. I do think Jimmy Fallon was was appropriately cast here. He's just goofy enough. Um, I think from a teaching standpoint, like as a teacher, I think he relates really well to that age of kid. Yeah. And I, so I think that that was like a that was good uh, for that character. As far as the female lead, I think you could have picked almost any female to be that part. I mean, you could go Rachel McAdams. You could do. Uh, I mean, you could pick anybody of that age group. That's true. And just pluck them in. I don't think Drew Barrymore would. She didn't stick out to me. It didn't have to be Drew Barrymore. You know what I mean? I think you could pick anybody. Well, and sort of the you know the thing with Drew Barrymore is, I mean, to me, she is still the girl who, however long it's been ago now, got up on David Letterman's dance desk, started dancing, and flashed flashed him. him, You know? Yeah, baby. So it's like that's always who Drew Barrymore is going to be is to me. So there wasn't, I guess, a ton of believability with her as a serious, you know, she's the hardcore businesswoman kind of person, you know? Right. So that, that 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 was maybe the only hang-up I had, but I, I agree, like, Rachel McAdams would have been great. You're probably right. You could have dropped anybody. And it's not that Drew Barrymore, Barrymore was bad in this right. role. I thought she was funny enough, and I, I thought they had good chemistry together and all that stuff. But that's, you know, again, that's who Drew Barrymore is to me. She's the one who got up and flashed David Letterman. <laughs> yeah, I, and like I said, it's no knock against her performance or anything that she did. I just, it didn't jump out at me in any way. They had good chemistry, but I think, they could have had good chemistry with any female cute lead. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I agree with you. I think this was a good um, Jimmy Fallon role. Ben Stiller easily could have been this. Oh, he yeah. obviously, you know, has some connection. He did there's something about you know, he's done a couple of the Fairley Brothers movies. This easily could have been Fallon or uh, could have been uh, Ben Stiller. I think Fallon did a good job in it, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think there you know there's really I, this this is just kind of a role you know again that anyone with some good comedic timing you brought up a good point about Fallon's comedic timing and maybe that makes him an even better person for this role than than I probably originally would have thought. Yeah, I just don't think of Jimmy Fallon as an actor kind of how we discussed yeah. earlier, but this particular role just fit him very well yep. in my opinion. Last question: Should it ever be remade? Uh, that's a hard no for me. <laughs> I think I, it was just made at the perfect time. I mean, like I said, they got lucky with the fact that they made that during the '04 season. They end up with that epic comeback. They won the World Series. Like it's done. It's over. You can't recreate that time in history again. Yeah, and th- that's very true because when they were doing this, it was still pre the Sox winning any championship. 
you know, and, and now they've gone on to win four since then. $30 million budget. budget. It only made about $52 million bucks, which is at least it's profiting, but it's, you know, not a huge amount that it made. And, and this was, you know, I don't think you would have called Jimmy Fallon a huge star by any means. Drew Barrymore was the biggest name in this, and there weren't a whole lot of other big-name people in it otherwise. So, well, and, and you couldn't make it about the Red Sox and be current. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not the lovable losers anymore. Yeah. And, and, like, and neither are the Cubs for that matter. Yeah, like, I was going to say, 10 years later, you could have made it about the Cubs, but now you can't make it about the Cubs. Really, probably the Cleveland Indians or – the yeah. Los Angeles Dodgers, maybe, but you know, well, I don't know. You know, it's not like Dodgers fans are known as diehard, passionate fans by right because they're in L.A. Yeah, like exactly. You need you need that kind of long-suffering fan base, and you've already had movies made about the Cleveland Indians with exactly. the Major League franchise. They've so got I don't their even know franchise. If it fits there. Yeah. Yep. I exactly. agree. Exactly. Yeah, you're not going to do better than the Major League franchise. So nope. you don't really want to touch the Indians. The Cubs aren't the lovable losers anymore. Neither are the White Sox. You, because you have you have to find that perfect blend. If you're going to make a baseball movie about losing, you got to find that perfect blend of a team that has lost a lot and has a epic fan base. And those, I, I just don't see that that uh, and doesn't have a movie franchise about it already. Yeah. Um. I, I just don't see that that group being out there. Yep. To be honest with you, I concur. I concur. Yeah. All right. Fever pitch. This week's two guys talking sports movies podcast. Glad to have you with us. Hopefully, we'll be able to crank a few of these out over the next few weeks. We'll find out how technology treats us. Vince, thanks again for sitting in for Bobby Hensley, and uh, we will probably be talking to you again soon if we do another one of these podcasts very soon because somehow Bobby Hensley, who is a true millennial, has not figured out technology, and he is unable to connect remotely to record anything with me oh so, that is hilarious is. i can't get over it i cannot get over it yeah. but hey it is what it is and hey i don't know if you want to tease the next one but it's going to be a, a potentially a newer movie i don't know if we want to say anything else we're going to try to do the new ben affleck movie since it's a sports related movie the way back it is uh, on streaming devices right now we might have to kind of try to talk around that so there's not too many spoilers since a lot of, you know, since That's a good it point. is still considered a current movie. But uh, we're, we're going to try to give that a shot if we can get our streaming devices going and, and watch that. I think it'd be fun. We have never done a, a current movie. You know, everything has been a few years old. This, this might be one of the newest ones that we've actually done fever pitch. I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff that we've done, but in any case, Vince, thanks again. We will talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Two guys talking sports movies. We'll talk to you next time.